Hey there, Halloween fans. This is David Rains. I am bringing to you today my first short story podcast. Not my first short story, uh, just the first one that I have made public in a podcast. I wrote this, I don't know exactly how long ago, wrote it on a whim. It was something I wrote out of a desire to create an atmosphere, the kind of atmosphere that I really enjoy around Halloween. I really gravitate towards ghost stories, spooky stories, haunted house stories, and when it comes to Halloween ambiance, if we want to put it in those terms. So hopefully I can do my own work justice. Hopefully the work does itself justice. Uh, and if not, well, then you can laugh and ridicule and snicker all the way through this listening. Uh, but hopefully it brings you a little bit of pleasure too in uh, a more sincere way. So here we go. This is Shutter's Creek written by yours truly. And off we go. I thought I heard an infant cry on the wind. The late autumn wind that whispered to me sickly sweet promises as I trod through the dying amber forest and fading light of dusk. Damp scents that once played agreeably in my nostrils carried this evening the deepest dread. Shadows absent in the cloudy daylight gloom crept out from behind trees and boulders as the not-quite-full moon forced its way through a tear in the crumpled sheet that draped the sky. The wind and damp air, the crunch and rustle of dead foliage under my boot heels, and the failing daylight played havoc with my senses. Behind me, the farmhouse fell farther away, and the flickering lights of the distant township teased me with deceitful nearness. As I crested each hill, I allowed myself the delusional hope that I would see the edge of Shutter's Creek and be in the embrace and protection of my homestead. Yet each new rise served to swell my weary gloom, as was revealed another slope, another rise, another damned mountain to climb. All the while the air grew thicker, more oppressive, and the wind grew colder and colder, biting at every exposed nerve until even the warm pockets of my underarms could afford no protection for my benumbed fingers. The dust kicked up from my boots between patches of duff and dry leaf fell heavily with the coming humidity. Even so, I could smell damp soil all the way to the back of my throat provoking a raspy cough that seemed to brew within my jellied lungs. Soon I was hacking up gray sputum, so prodigiously that it might behind me leave trail markings more dependable than those upon which Hansel and Gretel so foolishly relied, were it not for the uncanny fact that the discharge disappeared upon the instant of passing my lips. Not that I ever desired to tread this particular stretch of forest again. Though the farmhouse lay behind me, and the glow of the creek beckoned, I felt no comfort. What comfort was to be found in the horrible truth? A truth from which no measure of pinched skin can awaken me. I gasped as a stinging flash of light seared my eyes. The storm that had been brewing since I left the farmhouse now vowed to soppen me with a coming deluge. What would it matter? 
could not be more pitiful, nor could any man. Unabashedly I moaned aloud my sorrow, and a nearby crow took flight. Not even the animals wished to keep company with me. What deserves them the privilege of never knowing my grief? So my journey went in dismal solitude. Another eyes promised salvation, another promise shortly broken. The sky was quite dark now, save the moonlight burning through gossamer clouds above. The rumbling earth heralded an approaching storm, and the first icy droplets of rainfall burned brutally upon my exposed cheeks. I had no hat, nor umbrella, and the muddy floor of the forest would surely add to my misery. If only these accursed trees would open themselves to the borders of the creek. How I longed for a warm hearth and hot stew. I thought back to the farmhouse, and again put it out of my mind, though I could not put it out of my heart. Oh, how brimful was my heart now, if more so in sorrow than joy, and the more sorrowful for knowing that joy was now dead for me. The soaking of my boots and head, and the freezing of my hands and face punctuated this truth. When the next rise revealed the blacksmith's workshop on the edge of the creek, my sorrow did not abate, for I knew even before I crossed the bridge into the township and passed the lighted windows of the inn and the pub and the clerk's office that no one would acknowledge me. No one did. No one offered a coat or a pint or a hot cup of tea or a warm place by the fire. No one bade me good evening or tipped a hat. Jessel, the stable hand, approached and nearly collided with me, yet he said not so much as beg your pardon, and in fact quickened his pace as he hurried by. I drifted toward the pub, wherein offered warmth and laughter, jocularity and friendship, companionship, kinship, something to warm my spirit. It drew me as a soft bed in a sleepy fog, and to it I yielded. Upon opening the door, however, my disillusioned promise wilted. All eyes turned in my direction. All conversation stopped. All laughter ceased, and even the air, so full of joy but a moment before, seemed to rush out of the cabin, leaving a deathly dread in its wake. No one spoke as I looked for comfort in each anxious pair of eyes. No one bade me welcome. They simply stared, as though through an empty doorway. Lars, the pub-keep, stepped out from behind his counter and strode warily in my direction. I, in turn, stepped warily back. With a quick glance behind me, he turned his back and shut the door in my face without so much as a look in the eye. I could not blame them for not desiring the displeasure of my company. A soul as wretched as I would find no quarter should he come to me in search of refuge. A stray dog, matted and smelly with earth and weathering, would find itself more welcome with these folk than ever I would. This fact was underscored when Tobin, my oldest and dearest friend in the creek, passed me with naught but a sideways look of bewilderment and dismay before entering the pub to the sound of cheery welcome. What use was in remaining here? 
There was not a one in the creek would welcome me ever again. I determined, therefore, to return to the wood, perhaps to the farmhouse. I would count out my days in misery and christen myself pariah. The rain cruelly mocked my state. Thunder exploded in my heart, and a burst of lightning illuminated the wood. Winter branches hung like gallows, and here and again I perceived the form of some condemned soul swinging damnably from their black arms. A pitiful moan escaped me, but there was now no life in the forest to chase away. Did the storm drive them to shelter, or did they flee sensing my approach? My flesh was rotting from soak, white and soft and formless. Blue lines stood out on my hands and forearms. My march seemed risibly futile, but I kept on, nevertheless. The farmhouse was as good a place as any to seek shelter. No one would look for me there. No one would even venture there. Thus, no one could shun me there. Over the next rise, another flare of light from the blackened sky illuminated something in the forest ahead of me. It was a form, a figure, of a woman in black. Her face was pale, bloodless. Her hair was matted and stringy, black and sticky against her face. The hem of her dress was in shreds, and her tattered black bonnet hung loosely from her throat. In her arms she cradled an infant. She held it with care, yet looked not once at its tiny body. I thought to go to her, but a dark misgiving stayed me. She clearly saw me, for she could scarce take her eyes off me but she made no move to seek my company or assistance. I, for my part, advanced not toward her. Unlike the soul and vitality that burst from the pub walls at Shutter's Creek, this apparition gave not the slightest glow of life. Indeed, her mere presence seemed to deepen my sorrow and apprehension. The discomfort offered by the rain, the muddied earth and desolate exile did not measure with the empty abyss offered by this pitiable creature. All words are said to be haunted. These were no exception. I say this because I recognized the grey spectre immediately. The landlord's black-eyed daughter, Bess of the Creekside Inn, died giving bastard birth in the back room of the doctor's woodshed, where such shameful cases were always prescribed. Her newborn daughter was left in the wood with Bess's lifeless body for the elements to feast upon, and neither was seen, nor heard, nor spoken of again. Now the poor wretch stood before me with her daughter, they as much outcasts as I. Yet as much as I desired comfort and companionship, I did not desire theirs. Other than to look on in dismay, neither of us acknowledged the other. Presently she moved off over the crest of a hill, and I continued on my way. I may perhaps see her again, but I do not hope so. There is no solace to be found in the encounter, for not even the dead wish to keep company with the dead.